Beatty acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional and enduring custodians of the airs, waterways, seas and lands on which this interview has been recorded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and celebrate their ongoing cultures and connections to the land on which we all learn, work and explore. Hi everybody and welcome back to this episode of Bait Village, the second part in my interview with Erin Wamala. Erin is the owner of the Kids Bookshop and she is a practicing teacher librarian. With all of her hats on, she has a lot of experience in recommending texts, suggesting texts and talking about texts, which is why I have invited her here to share some recommendations for our readers who are in years 9 and 10. For all of the texts that Erin has recommended across these two episodes for 2022, as well as her episodes in 2021, you can head to the Bait Village website. There you can see a curated list prepared by the little book room. Michael has curated all of the texts suggested by Erin and others on Bait Village. You can view that there, you can download and you can shop to get the text straight into your hot little hands. So we'll pick up where we left off with Erin talking about texts for readers in years 9 and 10. Enjoy the episode. The older younger readers i suppose year seven. Mm-hmm. Oh my god that's not what i went what grade is this year nine and year nine ten. yeah year nine and ten so we've done yeah. some year seven and eight um mm-hmm. stuff yeah. thinking about our older readers yeah or older younger readers yeah how do we want to yeah. whatever they're called those guys <laughs> i am i'm sure they really appreciate my uh, very casual re- references <laughs> um in year nine and ten what um yeah. what have you read that you think might be suitable for those students yeah um so these are a few that again I read towards the end of last year Mm -hmm. um that I really really liked um and kind of promoted heaps at when I was um towards the end of last year with my students the first one is The Break by Philip Gwynn Philip Gwynn yeah yeah Yeah. still doing the rounds these days I think yeah it is you know many many years later um this is fantastic and this one worked really well um, I was at a boys' school and I was talking about this one mainly when it came out. So I'm going to say it worked really well with the boys I was talking to, um, but I'm, you know, I'm sure girls will enjoy it as well. Uh, so this one is set in Bali. Um, and so Philip lived in Bali for quite mm-hmm. a number of years. Um, and this one was inspired by the execution of the, a couple of members oh, from the Bali Nine. So he was, he was there when that had happened and he actually visited them um, in Karabakan Jail at what? the time. And so it was kind of around that. So this one follows a boy called Taj. He's about 16. He's grown up as an expat in Bali. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been there virtually his whole life. His father has been in jail um, since Taj was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been in, jail, in Karabakan Jail um, for drug trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, and Taj goes and visits him um, fairly often. They have, you know, sort of a, a bit of a just a fairly good um, relationship with each other. And he's, so they've sort of been in limbo um, all of that time. He's been yep. sort of happily existing in jail, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But then they get, uh, there's a, a, um, an election in mm-hmm. Bali. Um, everyone thinks that this the new president is going to be um, a bit more lenient when it comes yeah. to um, executions, but actually he goes the other way mm-hmm. and decides to set the date for a whole lot of executions, and one of those is for Taj's dad. Oh, um, and so Taj actually decides that he's going to try, he's going to break his dad out of jail, um, and that's that's the only thing he can do to save him. Wow! Yeah. Um, so the really interesting thing about this story is you don't actually get the prison break 
Oh. So then it, I know, I know, which at first I was like, oh, you know, that's a shame. But it jumps to when this is not giving anything um, away, really. Um, he has broken his dad out of jail mm-hmm. and they've gone on the run. And so they're now kind of being chased through the islands of Indonesia and East Timor mm-hmm. as Taj and his dad are trying to make their way to Australia where his dad mm-hmm. is going to try and seek asylum and, yeah. and stay. Yeah. Um, so, look, it is, of course, it is, you know, it's a bit far-fetched. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. I think that's okay. It yeah, works. suspension of disbelief. It's possible. Exactly, that's right. Um, it does work and it makes for a really exciting story mm-hmm. after that. Well, you know, it really is a prison break story. But it also brings up some really, really interesting discussions about ethics, ethics about the yeah. death penalty, yeah. um, about protest. So Taj and his friends start using social media as a way to protest <laughs> the death penalty and trying to advocate for his father. Um and his, his dad is a really interesting character. So he doesn't really deny that he what he's done and that he's done the wrong thing, although, of course, you know, he doesn't want to face um, execution. But there are some really interesting discussions around that mm-hmm. as well. And the story does unfold and you find out what happened to land his father in jail and whatever. Um, there's just You can discuss things like what's it like being, you know, a wealthy expat in somewhere like Indonesia where yeah. you're surrounded by people who, mm-hmm. um, you know, are nowhere near as wealthy as you are, having people who, you know, wait on you all the time. Um, his mother is a businesswoman who spends all her time kind of flying, um, you know, around Asia and sort yes. of leads Taj to his own devices. And he would really just spend most of his days surfing. He's got his his girlfriend is an influencer on um, Instagram and you know, um, stuff like that. So it's really a different world. Um, it's that, a, honestly, it sounds it. Sounds yeah. A, yeah. yeah. I remember actually, I feel the Bali, the Bali Nine executions I remember teaching mm. um, and being at school on the day that that was, mm. the news was happening, that they were, uh, they were going to be executed yeah. and all that around them. And my students were so interested in the political, you know, Re, uh, consequences of your actions mm. in different countries and um, absolutely you know, whether execution or the death penalty is right, right or wrong and we had some really interesting discussions about that uh, not in English but we were doing something else but um, <laughs> you know, they were really in, interested in how other countries yeah. Uh, it's you know, really interesting. punishment yeah that's right that's right and this idea of you know if you break the law in another country um, you know, do you have a right to say, no, I don't agree with the punishment? Yeah, and, I'm not from yeah, around here. That's right. And, yeah, I, I remember that too. It came back to me as I was reading it. Um, and that it actually it actually hit me quite hard mm. the, the day of that execution. It was just the most horrible day I remember. Mm. And I remember listening to it on the radio. And I think for me, I was really, I was thinking about their families. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, what it must feel like as a parent or mm-hmm. a sibling mm-hmm. knowing that that knowing that it's happening and then the fact that these men and well, the boys really they were very young very um young. you know who seemed to have turned a corner and you know they were repentant and yeah. stuff so you could have some really really interesting discussions um yeah that, that sounds like a good one and um Definitely. i mean authors can do whatever they want but obviously mm. super different from deadly anna which is um very different you know I actually, um, some colleagues of mine in Tassie um, had Philip Gwynn come out to the school to talk mm. about um, Deadly Anna. It's on their text list and talking about sort of teaching it now and how things might be. Mm. I written. wondered about that. Yeah. yeah. So I think you could, you could definitely have some really open discussions with kids about that and about mm. representation and mm-hmm. um, 
stuff like that. Actually, the next one, another one I was going to talk about is yeah. the Social Cue by Kay Kerr, which is about um, an autistic mm-hmm. girl. And that's a really interesting mm-hmm. um, perspective that seems to have, seems to be being published more at the moment. And um, especially with so many, so many kids that, I guess the, for want of a better word, I guess the diagnosis of autism, of course it happens, it's recognised much much earlier now Um, so you you will no doubt have kids who identify in whatever capacity that is Mm -hmm. um and I think it's really interesting now that we're getting so many stories that are written from that perspective yeah um so I interviewed last year I interviewed Anna Waitley from Liars and I think she I love that book um, yeah host a podcast together they write together or something Mm. and she um she recommended the text too but um yeah yeah I haven't yet, I'm yet to read it, but I, I've seen it around. It's got that yeah. lovely front cover. Um, it does, it does. Oh, I, I highly recommend it. So, yeah, Peter Lyre was one of my favourites for the last couple of years. I just thought it was so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and the social cue is right up there yeah. um, with that. Um, so this one follows a girl called Zoe who has just finished high school. She's doing an internship at an online news outlet. She wants to be a journalist. Yep. Um, and so... Yes, she's autistic. High school was horrible for her, but she's decided she just wants to put it behind her and kind of start afresh and start her new life. Mm -hmm. And part of that is doing this internship, but also starting um, online dating because she's never been on a date before. Okay. Um, But she's, so she's, you know, signed up for online dating. Her older sister's kind of um, helping her out and sort of guiding her. And she's finding it really hard because, you know, it's hard enough for her to kind (laughs) of, um, to be in those situations in person, but to try and, determine what people mean when they're um, texting the things in their profiles, um, you know, messages, stuff like that. She finds it really difficult yeah. to navigate. Yeah. Um, and so she writes an article about it for this news outlet and she talks about, you know, what it's like online dating um, when you're autistic. And um, she talks about how she's never been on a date before and her article gets a lot of attention. And then she starts getting all these messages from people she went to school with or she's worked with who say, I really liked you. I tried to let you know. Oh, nothing ever happened. And so she realises, well, maybe I've just missed all these these cues. Yeah, all this time. Um, And so what might happen if I go back and talk to these people now? So she sets up these series of dates um, with these people who have have contacted her um, and decides to write articles about them. um, Wow. Outlet. Um, so it's 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 really good. Like on one level, it's just this really sweet, very funny kind of almost rom com, I guess, about you know yep. dating and you know the opportunities that were missed and can you still take them up and things like that. Um, and of course, there's you know the the cute brother of her best friend and you know stuff like that. But then on the other hand, you've got this very kind of I, I feel um, personal account of what it's like to be autistic um, and how she navigates the world um, just on an everyday basis and it feels so authentic in the same way that Peter Lyre did Um, and I I felt like it just gave you such an amazing insight Mm -hmm. into that and some really interesting conversations about disability Mm -hmm. um, and how from what I understand some autistic people are quite happy to um, 
or you know are quite willing to identify as being disabled and yeah. so in this Zoe does like she's she says that she's quite proudly disabled and you know and then this is her her disability and how she deals with it deals with it lives with it I suppose um, and navigates the world um, with it so that kind of discussion within the disabled mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. Um, but also things like how disability is represented in the media yep. um, and those microaggressions that Zoe and other people face every day um, and, and things like that. It's really, really interesting um, and really very well written. I just powered through it. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So I would I would definitely put it up there. Yeah. Unite and Tennis, that kind of, out, you know, just out of school. So it's a little bit older yep. um, perhaps, but you could definitely give yep. it um, to Unite. So there, there are some, you know, there's some really heartwarming parts. There's some really heartbreaking yeah. parts um, as well. I just thought it was right yeah really really sounds really pacey like really yeah quick too which I like in a which I like in a in a novel it all like Mm. you did say like it sounds like a rom-com true like that sounds like the plot for a it sounds perfect for adaptation right yeah that's right um I think that sounds really fantastic and I know when I read Peter Lyers that you know and we want to talk to Anna about um how authentic her voice felt Mm. as you know um mirroring mirroring the diagnosis that Anna had have and how that carries in the text and that real sense of like writing from experience and trying to help others understand um you know have some empathy for the situation because that's right um yeah I mean dating is hard enough and Mm. you know it's adding a few you know um struggles that you might define those cues and whatever yeah that's Um, right and it's I I really like things like she goes on one particular date with a guy who turns out to be not so nice yeah and he's trying to coerce her um into you know he she thinks oh if I have a, a couple of drinks I'll relax but yeah. it actually doesn't really help her but then he he's trying to coerce her to go home with him yeah, she, she doesn't does. really want to but she mm-hmm. kind of she doesn't know how to say no. no she doesn't know how to set those boundaries yeah um for herself mm-hmm. with him and it puts her in a really difficult and potentially dangerous situation like I won't yeah. tell you what happens yeah. but you know I, I think you know all women have probably felt that at, at right. some stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it can be, she, her story can be related to on so many, many levels. different levels, yeah. um, but it just adds this extra layer yeah. um, of her experience yeah. of being autistic mm-hmm. as well, which mm-hmm. um, I thought was really, really interesting. Really. So, I like when, yeah. you know, those texts have those authentic moments for teaching about, mm-hmm. you know, setting boundaries or saying no or, like, how can we, how would we, um, how could the situation of, been handled by both parties or like what does consent look like in this situation Mm. how is one person not sought another's consent in this situation and those real like lived experiences of Mm. you know you know not necessarily lived experience that's not what I mean but like a uh real genuine occurrence that you know could quite literally happen on the daily basis that's Uh, right it's not like a totally far-fetched concept um Mm. I'm not talking about milkshakes it's like an actual real um situation that you could be in <laughs> yeah as a that's right that you need to navigate and you know through learning about that through the characters absolutely and then I think it also gives um you know non-autistic pe- people the opportunity to have some insight into well this is how they're feeling and this yeah. is how you can not be detrimental to the situation mm-hmm. um how you can actually be a good friend or yeah. you know whatever without being patronizing or mm-hmm. you know um, infantilizing the person um, who's experiencing yeah. it or whatever you know this is the reality yeah. of their experience uh-huh. and um, you could be su- this is mm-hmm. how you could be supportive, supportive. rather than not or 
Yeah, and, and think about how how you think about people with disabilities, and um, mm-hmm. you know, do you have those inherent biases that you probably didn't even realize that you yeah. have, or you know, things like that. All right, what about a third, a third and final text for third one? So the third one is um, the latest one from Mark Smith. Oh, okay. So Mark Smith wrote the Winter trilogy, so wrote yep. the Winter, um, and the two subsequent books, which were so popular in high school I don't know whether it's just because I talked about them all the time the kids seem to really really enjoy them yeah so they were kind of your post-apocalyptic set in Victoria um sort of almost an adventure story they were brilliant and I really love them I recommend them all the time this one's a bit different and I I really enjoyed this one as well so this is again sit on set on the Victorian coast um sort of down sort of Lawn Way, Anglesey Way, I think, which is where Mark is from. Um, And this one is about a a boy called Hess who is um, about 16, 17, um, lives with his mum. His dad died a few years before. He's, you know, a local surfer kid. Um, And their little town where he lives is basically, it's almost propped up, I suppose, by a power station um, oh, okay. that is right there. So it provides jobs for a lot of the people who live mm-hmm. in the town. Um, they do things like, you know, they sponsor all the footy teams and the netball teams and, yep. you know, um, all that kind of thing. So they're really ingrained in the community. Yep. Hess's mum becomes involved with an environmental group who mm-hmm. are protesting the power station. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have discovered that they're, it, they're, it's wreaking havoc on the environment. Yep. Um, there is possibly a problem with things like asthma and respiratory disease in, you know, people and children in the town because of all the emissions um, and that the power plant are probably covering up um, what they're doing. And so they're protesting, they're trying to garner support for shutting down the plant and it's creating a massive divide in Mm -hmm. the town. So you have Mm -hmm. people who are saying this power plant is our livelihood, Um, you know, it's the lifeblood of our town. If you shut it down, then the town will go under and people will lose their jobs, people will have to move away. Then you've got others who are saying, well, that's um, it's it, this is more important. Well, the environment is yeah. more important than that. Um, so Hess becomes involved um, in this, I guess, this protest, I suppose, um, and he makes a speech as part of it as a young person um, in the town. He makes a speech and he becomes almost, I guess, the target of some of the workers and some of the people um, oh. at the power plant as a result. And things get violent and things get dangerous um, Mm. as a result. Added to that also is that there's a new girl in town, Fenner, who is an an exchange student from the Netherlands and she's come to stay in this little town and she, you know, she's she's gorgeous, she seems a bit mysterious and a bit aloof, but um, Hess and Fenner kind of start this tentative sort of relationship, I Mm -hmm. suppose. And she brings in her very European perspective Mm -hmm. on protest and the environment where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she and her friends are very, very active in that way in the Netherlands. And she encourages him um, to to stand up and to have his voice be heard, Mm -hmm. um, you know, despite, I guess, the fear that and he feels and the the friendships that are sort of very strained um, Mm -hmm. as a result Mm -hmm. of that now as well. Um, So uh, I I really like this. This is a really good one to try and... um, I guess get kids fired up about whatever it is that they're passionate about. Um, at my school last year, they, they were about the year nines were about to start um, a unit, an English unit. It was an elective on protest and yep. you know and that kind of thing and books yep. kind of surrounding that. And this is perfect for something like that. I think 
you know, kids and do get really particularly about the environment, you know, it, it plays on them and they think about it and yep. um, they are really concerned about the state of the environment. So mm-hmm. it'd be a really good way to start getting them thinking about what they can do mm-hmm. and how they can, um, you know, how they can take part. But also, you know, there's really tricky situations, um, you know, in small towns like that that are built around yeah. something like yep. a coal mine or a power station or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. What mm-hmm. does it what does it mean for those communities as well, those people who are just trying to live their lives and survive and yeah, yeah. You know, make money for their families and all that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, then there's also some really lovely discussions, again, um, around things like consent and relationships. Um, you know, Fenner has that very sort of open European um, way of thinking attitude, about, yeah, uh, yeah that attitude um, towards, you know, sex and relationships. But, um, you know, at the same time, I think Hess is the one who's kind of a little bit more reserved and he's very concerned about, you know, consent and, you know, all those kind of things, which I really liked. Um, I, I liked that perspective of the boys being yeah. very on top of that because mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes teenage boys get a bit of a bad rap. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's nice to have a character um, who is really aware and, mm-hmm. you know, know comfortable with that with boundaries and and things like that I thought that was really really good Mm -hmm. um as well so yeah if if you enjoyed Mark Smith's previous books I think you'll really enjoy like this one yeah Yeah. lots nine or ten I think definitely I like the uh, um you know the connections to protests and the connections to the Mm. environment and that and that kind of stuff and I'm feeling I mean um I'm feeling a blueback Tim Winton Mm-hmm. vibes from this yeah. one like having read that and you know the role of the you know sea and the impacts of that on the small town I mean I'm going to totally right. butcher what I think Blueback's about it was a little while ago since <laughs> I read it but you yeah. know the mom and the and definitely the has that yeah but for older readers I suppose yeah yeah it made me think of and I'm I'm sorry I'm just trying to remember the name of the book it was one I read um came out Last year, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I can't remember. It might come to me in a minute, but it was about a girl who went from Melbourne on exchange to Paris, um, and you know, at, at about the same time as the climate mm-hmm. strikes. Um, and that again, you know, there, there was actually quite a bit around at the moment, yeah. kind of bringing in um, those themes. I think yeah. it's really relevant for a lot of teenagers. And you know, I as, as a teacher, I did hear lots of teachers saying, "Oh, you know, the kids don't really." They don't really care. They just want to take a day off school, and, and I'm, like, I'm not sure, actually sure that that's true. I think, I think, sure, there might have been a few, but I think a lot of them really do care. Genuine concern. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, because yeah. you know, it's the world they're inheriting, and they're feeling the pressure that yep. they're going to have to be the ones who, mm. who make the difference, mm. which is, you know, scary. Well, like, yeah, terrifying absolutely. to have that responsibility sort of thrust upon you yeah. um, as yeah, a young yeah, person. Right. But that um, notion that you know you can learn about learn about the experience and how to do that and seek inspiration and have role models in text that's um, right is really quite something mm. it, it's no really it works really well yeah. I found particularly with the boys I was with one of those ones that I gave to those boys who were a bit like oh, I don't really like reading I don't really know what to read kind mm-hmm. of thing and I don't think I had any of them come back to me and say I didn't like it um, so <laughs> that's a win what's <laughs> a win <laughs> definitely a win <laughs> That's good. And I think that, you know, like Australian authors and the mm. coastal appeal of yeah, those kind of settings feel very, um, mm. I think everyone's got a holiday place that they might go to. and That's right. And so many kids in Melbourne will be familiar yeah. with that yeah. area yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I think, and also, and that series in particular, the dis- 
a dystopia set mm-hmm. in the, that area. It's great. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, um, mm. yeah, dystopian Australia. Yeah. I think it's, it's but I good. think, I'm sorry, I've just remembered that it's like yeah. a, to- a town and the protests, you know, the livelihoods. That's quite interesting, mm. isn't it, the, the concept of... Um, the two sides to the story that can be so yep. severe, severely different in your know, people's mm. lives is obviously very important, but the environment is also like super important for everybody yep. um, and that kind of stuff. And I feel like I've read a few, few texts where that, that sort of uh, happens to be like, not necessarily the main thing, but a feature mm. of the story. I'm just thinking I've been rereading The Yield by Tara June Winch and there's oh, the, right. the town that's, there's a development going on at the site there mm. and like other sort of little towns. And I think about my own upbringing in, in Tassie and sort of, fish farming and like mm. where they want to do all that kind of stuff, which is, um, you know, a big deal because people need to work and people work on the farms and right. people want to be part of that to sustain their lives, right? But also mm. we don't want to wreck yeah, or whatever. And so it's very, and, you know, coal mining, blah, blah, the government, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it's all, you know, like... <laughs> Is anyone taking yeah. it seriously and, you know, the impact of actions of one small town, like how that can be magnified? Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. But then, you know, you've got the massive floods and you've got bushfires mm. and, you know, mm. I, I think, yeah, kids, particularly at the moment with, you know, coronavirus and, the, you know, it's conflict in Russia okay. and, like, yeah. it all yeah. feels very um, overwhelming. So I think to be able to have a conversation about, um, you know their power, I guess, yeah. and what they can do. I yes, think would be a really good yeah thing as well. Mm-hmm. I mm. like that. Yeah, I feel like I like everything you're saying. I'm just a big fan. <laughs> I like you know, the idea of pulling it back to the individual, like as a you know, yeah. it all feels like way too much. Yeah, um, what can you do? And this is the actions of one person who. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they're um, right. <clears throat> excuse me, how they can shape something mm. that kind of thing which I think is powerful when you you know when you're 15 or you're 16 you probably don't think that your actions actually have much of a ripple effect but in the reality you know long term and that kind of stuff um, yeah yeah mm. yeah definitely well yeah. I think we might call it a day because <laughs> no, heard, we could talk all day I know we could go on and on we've both got work to do but uh, <laughs> six texts and I even asked you some random questions about your own personal reading right there in the middle so oh good <laughs> very grateful Erin for no you, to you, for you, for um, joining with me to do some more chatting for Vape Village. I'm really appreciated. And I hope that, um, you know, people will be racing to the nearest bookshop to picking up these texts. Um, I'll put them all on the Vape Village webpage, which is a, I'm not, I'm so articulate, on the Vape Village <laughs> webpage, which is off the Vape website. I'll put it all in the podcast description so you can find them all there Great. and you can check out Erin's suggestions for yourself. But Erin, thank you very much. Thank for you so me. much. Anytime. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> thank you again to Erin for joining me on Vape Village. Like I said, it is always a delight to hear what she has to say and to listen to her suggestions for texts. You can find everything on the Vape Village website where you are going to head to www.vape.org.au forward slash vape-village. In the last episode, I gave out the wrong website, which is terribly embarrassing, but you can find all the information there. If you want to get in touch with me, have a chat or make any suggestions for future Vape Village episodes, you can find me by email. My email address is educationofficer at vape.org.au. Until next time, take care.